Hey everybody, listen up, don't really listen up to Joshua Toomey on Talk To Me. I once was under the plane, I was once the last in line. I was a victim of changes, you can't stop rock and roll, it is my life. What is up everybody, welcome into Talk To Me, episode 264. The guest this week is D. Snyder who has a new solo album, For the Love of Metal, live out July 31st, 2020. And uh, before we get into talking to Dee Snyder, we're going to bring on our good friend Randy McStein of McStein and Miniman. Great new album out. Randy, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. And the, the, the connection we have is a friend of the show, Fred Corey, who I've known since I was a teenager, I guess you've known since you were a teenager also said, hey, man, you got to have this guy on your show. Check out his band. And uh, I was completely blown away. Oh, thank you so much. And that's so cool of Fred. Yeah. I mean, we have a really deep family history. He and my dad were very close friends. And um, yeah, it's 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 really it's heartwarming <laughs> to see how much uh, Fred is enjoying this record in particular. And, you know, he's been sending me a lot of texts about it. And um, I'm super happy to get to talk to you. Yeah, man, I met Fred when I was, I think, 17, so I was in high school, and uh, he had just moved to Nashville in, like, the mid-90s, and, uh, yeah, Yeah. he basically moved to my small town in Tennessee when I first started a band looking for bands to record. I'm, like, the only metal band in town, and, uh, and yeah, the the guy at the local music store put us together, so so that's pretty crazy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's interesting, I I don't, you know, this, this could be a whole separate conversation but but so i grew up in a place um outside of binghamton new york which is like in in the upstate area and uh fred grew up there and my dad met him when they were in high school um so they went to high school together for a year or two and then they they moved out to la together um and this was all during that time that you know basically fred was going to la for the first time and london and and then eventually cinderella and, and that whole thing so I kind of grew up hearing a lot of those stories, and um, yeah, it's, it's it's really cool that that Fred has stayed in in touch, and, and in particular, you know, interested in, in what I'm doing these days, which is great. Yeah, he had a. I, w- I went back and read the the messages he sent me about uh, about you and and about your dad, you know, and I guess he was saying that your dad was very instrumental in his life in turning him on to like Y and T and a lot of the more progressive bands that yeah. kind of that kind of shaped his life. And so, I mean, you know, when you think back to when you're a, a kid, to the person that kind of should said like, "Hey, check these bands out," you know, to Fred, that was your dad. Yeah, and and that's really special. I mean, my dad, well, he passed a couple of years ago, and you know, he was that that figure in my childhood growing up as well, and and probably you know the main reason that I picked up the guitar in, in the first place. He wasn't a player, but he was such a passionate music fan, and he had this great collection of CDs, records, and and also like bootleg VHS concerts. So I grew up watching a lot of concert film, and I just he had a all this amazing stuff you know pre-youtube of course i was born in 88 and uh so at age four age five i mean i, I would see all of these old like rock palast like german broadcast <laughs> concerts and all this kind of stuff and he was so into it and his friends would come over and they that was like a friday night you know it was just like let's watch concerts and so i grew up in that environment uh which was really gave me that that interest in in music but i've i have talked to fred about that and yeah he he totally credits him for turning him on to a lot of 
things that he didn't know about. And yeah, he was always that guy. Yeah, it's it's always it's always great to have those those people around and getting into, you know, your stuff. You know, it's kind of cool that your dad was getting Fred into into the more progressive stuff. And then judging by this album, I'm assuming that rubbed off on you, too, because, you know, it's it's very proggy at points. It's got a little muse in it. Uh, it's, mm. it's very it's a lot of fun to listen to, man. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the word fun is something that I'm seeing attached to this record quite a bit. And that makes both Marco and I very happy because I think, you know, it is one of those things where it's it's musically it's very dense for people who want to listen to it that way there's there's a there's short songs there's a lot of information uh we were very kind of keen on this idea of like what is it that we love about let's say like the old van halen records you know like the first few and like the duration of those records they all kind of sit in this 31 to 35 minute sweet spot and the songs are they're short they're precise they're fun there's it's like that all killer no filler kind of idea and so that that kind of became a, a part of our goal as we went along and you know we ended up with a record of, of 10 songs and most of the songs are kind of three to three and a half minutes you know the, the big epic on the on the album is four and a half minutes <laughs> and and so in progressive rock um, as it is, as it may be categorized, it's, this isn't a very typical thing um, that people would kind of go for structurally because a lot of things are about long-form composition and that kind of grandiosity. So I think we found kind of an interesting way of channeling a lot of different influences and different styles into these, these really um, short, but dense compositions and there's an energy that runs through it that I think people are relating to. And that's where I think a lot of the, the fun factor comes from. There's a kind of playfulness to the material, um, but it's also very serious musically at the same time. You brought up something in there that, that I've been thinking about a lot lately where you look back to classic records from the seventies and eighties and they're 30 minutes long, 31 minutes long, like, you know, Slayer albums, 28 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> and then somewhere along the line, when the CD came out, they're like, oh, you can add 70 minutes worth of, right. uh, you know, audio to this. And everybody's like, well, shit, I need 18 tracks and 13 yeah. of them are, are, you know, skits. And, you know, it just got to a point where, where you just wanted to cram as much stuff as possible onto an album. But when you go back and look, man, some of the classics are uh, are 30 minutes or less. Yeah, and I and I think the uh, certainly the conversations I'm starting to have around this record in particular, um, I, I've had musician friends reach out and specifically tell me how much they love the fact that it's like 35 minutes, you know, and it's the same thing. It's this idea that some something obviously shifted when when the CD format came out. You had all this extra space, and then suddenly there seemed to be this expectation that you had to fill it. You know, because it, in the vinyl days, I mean, one of the reasons why those those Van Halen records were were so short that was kind of a Ted Templeman thing um, with with the sonic quality. It's like right. you didn't want to stretch the side of the vinyl too too long, or it would kind of degrade. So he liked having these like seventeen minute sides. You know, and I mean, if you think about like a long single record, might get into that forty five to fifty minute mark but that that was like a long single album back then you know some bands did that and obviously they were double records but um but yeah the cd kind of seemed to bring about this 
this need to completely fill the space. And uh, I'm, I've arrived at a quant, you know, quality over quantity kind of place. Um, and hopefully people who listen to it feel the same. And where did, uh, where did you meet Marco and uh, how did this kind of this project come about? Yeah, so Marco and I met in October of 2018. And we were both hired to play on somebody else's project, um, a progressive rock, kind of almost Alan Parsons' grandiose thing called In Continuum. And uh, we were both hired separately. You know, we did our our parts remotely. And then uh, the guy who sort of spearheaded that project, a guy named Dave Kersner, he booked a couple of live gigs and he asked both Marco and I to um, be in the live band. So that put Marco and I in, you know, physically in touch for the, for the first time. So we basically just met in a rehearsal room like three days before the gig, you know, to try to hammer this stuff out. And we immediately felt, you know, a musical connection as we were playing this, this material that we were there to do. But the, the sort of late night hang um, turned into something that was like a really cool thing. And we started talking about a lot of musical influences and, things that were very much outside of progressive rock and the kind of music that we were there to do. And um, just over time, you know, that, that kind of morphed and we, we got a couple more chances to play together with that project. And then I was working on some solo material. I asked him to play on a song for me. And that was the first time he was hearing my writing and my, my singing, you know, he only heard me in this one particular context and he really liked the writing and, and had a blast playing on it. So, kind of reciprocated had me play and sing on one of his solo tracks so through that process i think that's that's where we realized that we could both really lend something special to each other's songs and i guess it would have been about a a year after we first met i just kind of sent him a text one night and said hey i've been thinking about a new project and what, what do you think about doing an ep together like you pick three of your songs i'll pick three of mine and we'll just see where it goes. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And it was this very effortless process of just sending ideas back and forth. It was really fun. We did the whole ro- uh, the whole record remotely, but it really felt as connected as you could be, you know, not being in the same place. That's impressive that that was done uh, remotely like that. Listening to it, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like you guys really hashed it out in a room. So, so yeah, for yeah. being able to pull that off, uh, you know, over the internet, it's pretty insane. I appreciate that. Thank you. One of the songs that obviously catches everybody, it's the most played song on Spotify, is uh, Your Offenses. And, I mean, it's catchy as hell, man. So tell me a little bit about that song. That's what we'll wrap this up with. And uh, tell me a little bit about that song. Yeah, well, that's, that's a favorite of mine. And that is a song that I always envisioned kind of having a sort of trio aesthetic. And... You know, when I started playing with Marco, um, just his energy on the kit, I, I knew he was just perfect for what I was trying to do with that song. And I'd actually been playing it uh, solo acoustic for a little while in, in, in some shows. And so it was really fun to kind of do this electric version. But I think to me, that song sums up a lot of what we're doing. Um, there are more esoteric and sort of avant-garde moments on the record um, but that song kind of captures uh, a certain energy and, and and kind of classic hard rock vibe. There's there's touches of you know the police maybe in there and, and bands like that. Um, 
but I'm, I'm a, I'm a real kind of power pop guy at heart as well. You know, I mean, I love, I love metal. I, I love progressive rock, but I, I love a great pop song in, in that kind of Beatles, you know, queen 10 CC kind of, vain and i felt like this song kind of brought all of these different elements together and it's and it's a very joyous kind of feel you know it's a, it's like a the real good summer kind of song and I, I think that's why people are responding to it it's kind of bursting with a, a sort of energy to it yeah and any kind of positive energy we can have in 2020 i think we'll take it and, uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> and um but yeah yeah and you know in the meantime i mean the record's been out for just over three weeks, but we're, we're back at it. You know, we're sending new ideas back and forth and the new material has come along great. So, well, uh, what's the best way for the, uh, for listeners to keep up with you guys? Uh, well, we're on Instagram at Mickstein Miniman and, uh, we're on Facebook as well. We do have a website, MickSteinMiniman.com and, uh, the music is, you know, it's out there streaming everywhere, but if, if you want to get it from us directly, um, we love a site called Bandcamp. Dot com. Uh, we have the record up there and CD and download and there's some final copies out there as well. Alright guys, well this is Your Offenses by uh, McStein and Miniman and uh, after that we will talk to D. Snyder and I will talk to you guys momentarily. Someone told me you're back again You thought you could make it All the people you
Snyder on the line talking about For the Love of Metal Live out July 31st, Napalm Records. D. Snyder, welcome to the show, man. Josh, great to be on. And yeah, pretty excited that I had the foresight to uh, film uh, shows last year and start working on a well in advance, a live record at a time where people and live DVD at a time where people were kind of starved for live entertainment. Absolutely, man. The one thing I liked about the DVD was it's it's done over multiple shows. It's not just one show with a few cameras. So you get to see, you know, D in a club and D at a festival. And and I think it uh, made for a much better watch. Thanks. I'm glad you appreciated that. Yeah. Every live album I've done has always been, you know, a concert event. And usually, you know, and there's reasons for that. There's, there's difficulty with filming multiple shows, you know, and, um, and also getting it all set up. But, um, I, when I was, here's something about, uh, you know, well, first of all, as you know, the concert, you cuts from country to country, day to night, rain to sun in one song, right. it bounces all over the place. And that was very deliberate because, you know, we live in a world where everybody's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of people, you know, political, uh, frustrations and angers and countries at each other's throats and, you know, and all sorts of embargoes here and embargoes there. Yet behind the scenes, music, especially metal, is connecting us all. It connects us all. And I wanted to show whether I'm in South America or Australia or Europe or North America, in one song, here they are, everybody singing along cheering enjoying something we have something in common and uh and i think it's important for people to remember that now you've you've talked about this in the past a little bit about this for the love of metal album and the one thing that you brought up there was it all brings us together the metal community as its own and you know you doing a, a such a heavy record a couple of years ago for the love of metal you know, how did that how do you feel kind of being brought into that super metal crowd you know where we're we're all here we've been waiting for d to come and uh and now you know you now you're back with us for a while the thing is josh that i was there just not as a a, a recording artist right i was as a fan i've been connected to the community i've always been connected and and i and part of that goes to my kids who are all metalheads and as they grew up, they constantly kept me exposed, aware, and and you know, and turned on to the changes in the in the scene and what was going on. And I would love going to shows with them and love the new band, new sound. I was always there. I just didn't know how to connect myself. And Jamie Josta, God bless him, he saw it as clear as anything. He's you know says there's a place for you, and uh, and I know. How get you there so uh, god bless jamie josta for that but also um, i want to send a message the, there's a bonus track on the new cd dvd called prove me wrong and uh it is not an outtake from the old last album it's a new song written by me and charlie belmore and um, the message is to people this is d snyder this is what you can expect from me moving forward i'm here and this is where i'm staying yeah, I mean, it is so it is so nice to hear your vocals over such heavy stuff. And getting into the uh, for the love of metal, you know, I'm a listener of the Josta show. Obviously, I got to keep an eye on the competition, right? But uh, <laughs> but you know, I was listening. You know, when he uh, approached you with the idea for the love of metal, and he's one he's known to 
you know, throw out ideas on every episode. So this is one of the first things that I think he's really thrown out that is stuck and it was so good. And to kind of be with it from the birth and all the way through to now, there's a live album based off of the album that you guys did. But kind of going back to that, man, just kind of go back to your thought process of, hey, I'm going to do an interview today, which turned into, you know, two albums now. Well, one of the places I lived in Vegas and, and Jamie was in town and staying at a hotel and, he, you know, and he asked if I'd come over and do a podcast. And I came over and he blindsided me. Uh, quite honestly, I mentally had, you know, packed it in uh, as far as the music goes. And he said, I challenge you. And it was more challenge you. And, and I accepted the challenge and we went in there and it was so it works so well. And uh, every from the moment we went in the studio, everything came together. And I said, it's amazing. Uh, you know, how did this? I said, no, I said, so you just had this idea. He goes, D, the truth is I've tried this multiple times before with multiple other artists like you. <laughs> and he, he goes, but the other artists were not willing to do the what they call the, 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 the trust fall. Right. You know, to let me guide them and let me help them. He says they were just too stuck in their ways and would keep insisting on, you know, on controlling things and putting things in and they were missing what I was trying to do for them. And he goes, and they, it never happened. He says, so you're the first to really just put your faith in me. But it was easy, Josh, because one of the first things Jamie told me when we, he said, I've listened, he says, I, this is after I agreed. He goes, I've been listening to your stuff. I said, which stuff? He said, everything you've ever recorded. I've listened to every song you've ever done and I've read every word you ever wrote. And I said, why? He goes, because I want to be in your headspace. I want to understand you because you're giving me a very important job. And so he, that, and he deserves massive credit and respect. He's a very talented guy. And uh, I'm glad that I was able to show people this ability that Jamie Josta has, because this music isn't Josta music. It's not it's not Hatebreed. It's Dee Snyder for, for the new millennium. How did your fans react when they first heard that Jamie was going to be producing an album for you? I don't think that they my my old fans are really aware of Jamie. You know, I mean, other than maybe from Headbangers Ball, that's that's their connection. Um, so they knew him from there. Uh, but I really didn't pay attention to that. You know, uh, I, I don't really look for anybody's once I decide to do something, I'm not looking for people to say, well, what do you, are you, does this seem like a good idea to you? You think I should do this? You know, I'm really not, really not I'm not big on, on like, uh, on second guessing myself. Say, so, yeah, I get, yeah, this makes sense to me. Let's do it. Now, going back to the live album, the live DVD, on the DVD portion, you know, you've got some commentary in between tracks, which, again, another great idea where it's not just a, a show and a club and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, sitting down and doing the interview portion and kind of talking about where all these songs came from, you know, talking about working with Jamie and even talking about writing, you know, Twisted songs back in the day. Who came up with the idea to put that in there? Well, when I was in Australia, the promoter had this idea to do uh, something called Sp Shouted and Spoken. And day one, I'd do a concert. And day two, in a smaller venue, I would do uh, like a, a Q&A, spoken word kind of thing for a smaller audience. And the interviews 
because of the timing, it was in the middle of a For the Love of Metal touring. And so they were very reflective of where I'd been and where I was today and how I got there. And the questions kind of went that way. And by the way, going back to my old fans, um, most of them have embraced For the Love of Metal, even though it's a, it's more contemporary than they used to. But I think they that my voice connects them enough and brings them along. And I've sort of and and I've and I've seen some growth. Some of those old fans, dude, they are stuck <laughs> in that. Oh my God, the glory days! Come on, glory days are great, but there's music to be enjoyed now. So I'm really happy that quite a few of them came along for the for the journey with me and are enjoying more contemporary music and seeing the value in it, you know? So, um, but yeah, so when we were putting together the live DVD, it was actually the editor who, cause he was given everything and he had gotten the footage from there and he go, and he put some in and he was a young guy. And I was like, what would you do that? Why'd you put that in there? He goes, I don't know, man. I just thought it was like a great cutaway. And it really gives you some insight into your, your mindset. And, uh, and people watched it and always said, Hey, this is really kind of different and cool. So I hope people enjoy that. Yeah, it's definitely fun, man. It, it is so funny how metalheads, like old school metalheads, anything after like 1990 is just like, it's crap. <laughs> you know, It's so hard to uh, bring them on to, you know, like, Hey, check out, check out even like a band like Hatebreed or anything like that. It's so fun. Oh my God. You know, and, and there's nothing good out there. You know, look, if, if they don't want to grow with metal the way it's, you know, how it's gotten more technical and percussive and, you know, and, and, and more primal in a lot of ways, there are great new bands inspired by older bands. And I'm, by the way, I'm not talking about um, bands that copy old band sounds. I'm not a big fan of that. You know, band. There's a couple of bands out there. I won't name their names, but they because I like the guys. But they're imitating Led Zeppelin, and that's not. You're not doing anything. But when you deal with like a Volbeat, and they're not a new band, right. but they're taking a lot of different older right. influences and creating the Volbeat sound. I'm a big fan of a band called Monster Truck out of Canada. Again. You hear Skinner in there. You hear Grand Funk. You hear Deep Purple. But it doesn't sound like any one of those bands. It's Monster Truck. So there's and, – and older fans can love bands like that because they're going to hear those older influences, yet it's a newer band, a younger band, and they're giving you something fresh. So, um, you know, I, I can't stand when the people say nothing. The rock's dead. Yo, <laughs> give me a break. Jeez. You don't know you're dead. <laughs> you're dead. The uh, the one thing I really enjoyed about the DVD was the, the kind of taking the older twisted songs and kind of just beefing them up and making them you know almost like way heavier than they, what they were to begin with. You know, going into that process, did you walk into the room like, whoa, that's like, you know, uh, it did it was it kind of a shock to your ears to hear them so beefed up? No, um, you know what, it was by design, and um, see this. Twisted, when we started out, remember, you know, people have seen the documentary now. We started 73. Wow. I joined in 76. Um, when we first, you know, got our first indie deal, we released Under the Blade. We were in England touring with Motorhead and Saxon and Metallica by 84. So Maiden, we were just a metal band, a different metal band. Nobody thought it was weird that. Twisted Sister was on the same bill with Motorhead in the early 80s or with Iron Maiden. It wasn't a thing. 
It was just, that's Twisted Sister. It only became hair metal. To define it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it became, you were either a hair band or a metal band. So Twisted, you know, while we became known for our anthemic, uh, you know, sing-along kind of anthem, that became our uh, what we're known for, we were always had a very metal side to us. So in choosing the songs, I picked Under the Blade, Can't Stop Rock and Roll, Burn in Hell, Fire Still Burns, songs that are metal songs, you know. And when the band, you know, they sunk their teeth into it, and it's detuned because everything <laughs> on the new record is detuned. So and then you know I did notice and 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 credited them you know I like it sounded like it great but then I noticed a few extra you know stuck here and there that wasn't in the original version but it was working and it was connecting I wanted to connect the dots with this record say this is where I'm from this is where I'm now and there's there's this is how I got here. This is, you know, so it's not really. It is. It's it, when you listen to it all together in the same tuning, it it works. Are you still seeing fans from '76 out at shows? Oh, geez, when I do, uh, they're very recognizable. Uh, I, you know, I've seen and God love them. I've seen people at the front barricade with oxygen masks on, uh, wheelchairs. It's it's getting grim. Uh, with those older, older fans. I remember uh, Twisted did a video for a Christmas song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, and it was set on it with Lita Ford, and we were on a tour bus. And he gave he had the idea that we were going to be on road, we're coming home for Christmas, and the bus pulled up in front of an old folks' home. And um, we got off, <laughs> and it was like, well, no! And then we're chasing <laughs> the bus down the street. But that's not the funny part. The funny part is when we pulled up, some of the people who were there going, D! I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, no, <laughs> no. So, so yeah, I've been around for a while. And this is, you know, uh, Gene has this great, Gene Simmons has a great story about being in an airport and this octogenarian coming up to him. Uh, this was a number of years, about 10 years ago. And then coming up to him, so he's in his 60s. And she, Jeannie, how are you? And she's an octogenarian, man. She's in her 80s. It's like, hi. He goes, oh, I remember that night so well in Detroit after the Cobalt Hall gig. And also it dawns on him that she was the hot milf that he boned after a show when he was in his 20s. She was in her 40s. Now he's in his 60s. She's in her 80s. So it was a bit horrifying to see that, you know, to see the reality. But, um, yeah. Uh, there's still some of them do, and God bless them for still loving me and supporting me. That's got to be so great. I mean, but also just to look out into a crowd and see fans from the '80s, '90s, you know, the uh, the aughts, and even the tens, and now the twenties. Man, you've you've got a you've got a fan base that uh, reaches generations. It, it, that is the greatest part. Look, I'm you know I'm not I'm not I'm never kidding myself. Like you know I you know the, I know how old I am. I know how long I've been doing this. But musically, I feel inspired and I feel connected to the great music that's going on today. And as a fan, you know, uh, and the bands. And like I said, I've been going to shows for for decades now. So um, it's great to see the younger fans uh, 
enjoying something that I'm doing as much as they're enjoying with like with with prove me wrong, which was amazing. I immediately saw it was being added right into the contemporary rock uh, charts. It wasn't with all the new bands. It wasn't segregated as I was initially with for the love of metal because it's people were just, Oh, D Snyder. So he's on the classic rock and they had, they weren't listening. Now they just know, no, D's doing something new. Now, after all these years, you know, doing radio shows and things like that, you know, what are your thoughts on, on podcasting now that, now that everybody has a microphone and everybody has a podcast and everybody has a voice, you know, what are your thoughts on, on the, the podcasting form? Well, you know, I've been doing radio now for almost 35 years, starting with my own metal show back in uh, the 90s and and then, you know, House of Hair, my syndicated show, uh, 22 years I've been doing that. I've done mornings for years. I've done nights. I've done satellite. I've done it all. And I've seen corporate America strangling radio, strangling the, and, and, and trying to out-program someone's iPhone, okay, or iPod as it used to be, but you can't do that. And they, the corporate America has killed the goose that laid the golden egg. They had a something, everybody had the equipment. It was free, and everybody was listening, and somehow they got people to go and buy equipment so they wouldn't have to listen to what was on the free equipment. <laughs> right. How do you do that? How do you do that? And what they did wrong, and I've been screaming it for years, is they were choking the personalities. They were telling, silencing the DJs, silencing the air personalities, not grooming new personalities, and trying to out-program, like I said, an iPod or an, or an iPhone. You can't do that. You can't beat uh, Spotify. You can't beat any of these these formats where you just put a song you like in and it spews out every song you ever enjoyed. So then the podcast came along, which is pure personality, and showed that I was right. People are tuning in the podcast because that's the one thing you can't program, a personality. You know, they can't replicate Josh Toomey. Okay, so if people like your personality, they got to tune in to you. And this is what corporate doesn't get. And I'm so glad that personalities are being allowed to be enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, I guess if there was a a local radio show here that that, you know, played good music, but the DJ was interesting, I would tune in for that. But I don't I don't know when the last time I actually turned on you know, terrestrial radio was. No, you can't. you, You don't do it. You do it for a morning show. It's, it's the talk. It's the personality. Eddie Trunk has had a successful run because he plays music, but he talks. And if you like his personality, if you like what he's about, you'll tune into it. You know, and, and corporate, I saw it when I because I was in I worked for Clear Channel uh, for a few years doing doing morning radio. And they were just strangling the uh, you know, like I was doing a morning of talk radio. So I was I was allowed to, you know, I had free reign. But the other sh- air shifts. It was like, keep your talk down to 20 seconds, mm-hmm. trim it down, trim it down, trim it down, more music, more music, more music. No, you're never going to give people the exact mix they want to hear. And now they can just put their exact perfect mix on their own listening device. and They don't need your music. They don't need your playlist. And it's kind of funny hearing that from you because of, of 
of the bands that do still get played on classic rock radio, you know, you're still going to hear, we're not going to take it, or I want to rock, you know, but even, even if the DJ happens to say, you know, D Snyder's got a new album for the love of metal out, blah, blah, blah. Here's, we're not going to take it. You know, they're not going to play the new album, which is, which is crazy. Uh, I did my show. The house of hair has been on 22 years, 225 stations in North America. Actually we're over in Europe now as well. And, um, we play the best of the 70s, 80s, early 90s hair bands and heavy metal. Um, I've been begging them for years, just play something new from the artist. No, it's only the hits. Uh, even getting a deep cut is tough. Uh, so I say, just a taste. How about, you know, because we'll talk about it. Just like you said, I'll say, hey, you know, uh, hey, you know, I'm just trying to think of Great White popped in my head because they're in the news right now. <laughs> but Great White's got a new album out, yada, 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 called Ride the Lightning. And you know, whatever, I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, but, and then I'll go, and here's Rock Me. You know, <laughs> like, and so, you know, I was like, come on, just play. And here's just, just check out, a, let's just check out 30 seconds of a song. No, 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 no. Only the hits, only the hits. And, you know, so, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Well, as we're kind of uh, wrapping up here, For the Love of Metal Live out July 31st on Napalm Records. And uh, I believe on Jamie's show recently, he said uh, the, the For the Love of Metal was one of the biggest uh, physical selling albums on Napalm, man. So congratulations. The the record, man, I, I, I'm still pinching myself. It just, it was... Look, I'm speechless, and I'm never speechless. <laughs> I, I'm never speechless to see it go to the top of the metal charts around the world, uh, showing up on the top 10, top 20 metal albums of 2018. To see it go to uh, number 20 on the Billboard Hot 200, 20. Wow. Drake and Kanye were standing there going, what the hell is that old white dude doing up here? You know, that was some rare air for for not just D. Snyder, but for for uh, for a, you know, a, a, a classic band, a classic artist to be on the top of the charts. So I, I stunned. I was stunned. And I keep hearing things about the you know top selling this or that and Napalm. And the, and it's just um it just was such a shock and such a pleasant surprise. And what really, and I think it came through on the record, was and and, and why it's called for the love of metal is because that is what it was at its essence. It was purely a passion project. There was no record deal. There was no money. There was no. It was Jamie had this idea. I was game. He called the Belmore brothers. Nikki Belmore's got a little studio in Fairfield, Connecticut. I drove up. The call went out, and Mark Morton from Lamb of God, and Elisa White Glues from Arch Enemy, and Howard Jones, and and Ollie from All Their Remains May Rest in Peace, and all these people, baseball, people from Disturbed, the people from uh, Toxic Holocaust, were coming out of the woodwork. And Jamie said, everybody's going to want to work on a D. Snyder record. Everyone's going to want to be a part of this. And I was touched to see that love. And again, with no guarantee of anything other than, hey, this is fun. We're enjoying doing this. This is great. And then the record, and Jamie said, we're calling it for the love of metal. 
He says, because that's what it is. And then a bidding war happened over the record. And then the su success of the album and what it's done for me has just been magical. And, uh, you know, it's an, and a blessing. So uh, I'm just so glad people enjoyed it. And I hope I too. I've got so much on the horizon, dude, Josh. I've got I'm directing two movies. I was supposed to be directing my first feature film in May. It's been pushed back. Since then, I've gotten a second film. I'm writing and directing a, a reimagining re of a classic 80s horror film. Um, so those are the two biggest things that my next two projects, and I just finished my first fictional novel, which is out at publishers right now, looking for a deal for that. So that's really a whole pushback to 2021. So I'm going to be doing, uh, filming these movies. So I don't know when I will get to, you know, my next album, uh, but there will be one. There you and, go. Uh, and it will be, you know, it will be, uh, the, it will be the follow-up, the perfect follow-up for the, for the love of metal. Well, perfect, man. One of the hardest working men in metal, D. Snyder. <laughs> Thank you. You're probably saying, how's he have time to talk to me? Uh, <laughs> I really don't, Josh. We got to go. <laughs> so, it's been a pleasure, man. It is called for the love of metal!
for the applause there that was nice thank you thank you d motherfucking snyder on the podcast now that's a moment that is a talk to me moment right there when you get d snyder on the show man what a cool guest to have on easy easy guest to have on and there was so many things we could have talked about we could have talked for hours and hours you get your allotted time you get in you get out and you get some good sound bites and i do have to say that d snyder did one of the coolest things for my son elton After we did the interview, he recorded a little uh, message for Elton because Elton, my son, who is five, about to be six, is a gigantic Twisted Sister fan. He listens to We're Not Gonna Take It, I Want to Rock, on the way to daycare all the time, always, Dad, will you put on We're Not Gonna Take It, will you put on I Want to Rock? So I told Dee that story and Dee gave a little shout out to Elton afterwards. So what a classy dude. And please go make sure you're getting For the Love of Metal live out this Friday and support D and this new metal venture that he's doing, man. I'm, I'm digging it, man. I am digging it. And also, huge thank you to Randy McStein of McStein and Miniman. Cool band. I really enjoy the album. Cool that Fred Corey reaches out. When Fred Corey hits you up in your DMs and he goes, hey, that might be Fred right there. But he goes, hey, check out this new band. Uh, you'll like them, and a friend of a friend of his, a friend of Fred's, is a friend of mine, and we're gonna help support and promote everyone around us, and uh, go support them if they are coming through your town on tour or check them out on Bandcamp. So for uh, D Snyder, for Randy McStein, I've been Joshua Toomey. This has been the Talk To Me podcast. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling your friends you're listening to the show, and I will talk to you soon. <laughs>